Don't just glide through the neutral zone on a back check, you slacker. Get in the game. Get in the game. Full time hockey. It's time for that hockey show. That hockey show. Right now, that hockey show with Paul Cuthbert. Time to get on the ice for a little hockey talk. That hockey show faces off right now. Take it away, Paulie. Yeah, good afternoon, everybody. And welcome to THS. Live here on the Go Hockey Media Network. And live from New York, baby, as always. Pleasure to be back on the air here this uh, Wednesday afternoon, December 18th. Kicking things back off here. The 2019-2020 NHL campaign is in full swing. All the teams hitting about uh, over 30 games now. A couple of teams pushing 37. And I figured it was time to uh, bring back THS and jump back into the NHL season. And I uh, did this a few years ago. I uh, was lucky enough to be on Yahoo Sports Radio and obviously Hockey This Week, uh, our network that we had a few years ago. So it took a little break, and uh, now we're coming back and excited to be here. Got a great show this afternoon for you. And basically the uh, the general gist of that hockey show is we're just going to talk hockey here. I'm looking forward to bringing a whole bunch of different guests in and out, guys that I know uh, from years past and, and guys that I network on- online who uh, you know cover the game, uh, you know, writers, uh, other podcasters um, and and guys in the league, uh, you know, uh, broadcasters, TV guys, radio guys, uh, some friends of the game, uh, all different aspects. So I'm really looking forward to mix things up here. Just having a, a good old uh, hockey conversation about the good old hockey game. Uh, this afternoon, I've got two uh, guys that I really, uh, really appreciate and, and have done a lot of stuff with me in the past and looking forward to uh, speaking to those again. That's Dennis Bernstein uh, from the fourth period. And uh, Dennis is also, uh, you know, consider him the uh, the L.A. NHL insider. Uh, and he's uh, also on the hot stove on Sirius XM. And he has his, old, his own brand new uh, Kings of the Podcast uh, podcast now, too. So uh, all things West Coast, uh, L.A., you know, the Sharks, Ducks. We'll get into that uh, today. Uh, with Dennis and, and and a whole bunch of other topics. I'll try and cram as much as I can and throw as much as I can uh, at Dennis as possible. And the other guy, too, that I'm uh, really excited to bring back to the show is uh, Liam McGuire, uh, NHL historian and author. Uh, Liam is absolutely just one of the smartest guys in the game. Uh, Liam, uh, I'll be talking to him. He's got a brand-new book out. Uh, it's The Life and Legend of Goldie Goldthorpe. Which is uh, based on you know the the character in Slapshot, uh, Ogie Olthorpe, the uh, the the, uh, the goon in that movie is based around uh, the real Goldie Goldthorpe. So uh, Liam and, and Goldie have been going on, on this book tour uh, these past few months, and they've been up and down all over Canada. And I've been following Liam on it. It's great stuff. I'm um, looking forward to talking to Liam about that. Just uh, you know, getting into the book. And uh, his, uh, you know, all the different stops that they've made along the way. And we'll also, uh, in addition to that, uh, just get Liam's take on the game today uh, as far as uh, where the league's at. A lot of stuff going on uh, in the news uh, just that I can uh, really just jump in here to today with these two guys. He's very smart hockey guys, Dennis and Liam. So, um, you know, between, uh, you know, the, the coaching changes that have gone on, the way the league is changing, um, just all different aspects of, of what's happening, who's on top right now, who's on the bottom, some of the surprises, uh, where we're at. You know, at 30 games in, you can kind of get a, a gist of, of of where maybe teams are headed in terms of direction. Like I said, there's already been some uh, coaching firings um, for, for multiple different reasons. 
Um, there's been some, um, you know, some controversy uh, in the NHL this year with regards to some of the hockey firings, the coachings firings. And then there's just some teams that are just running out of gas and, and need to change things up. So we'll get into that a little bit as well. Uh, the World Juniors are starting up here uh, in Czech Republic. So that's always a great time around the holidays uh, with, um, you know, USA, Sweden, Canada, uh, Russia, all the big kids. These are the future stars that are going to be heading into the NHL. And, and that's basically what the NHL is, is really about these days is all these young kids uh, they're so much more mature. They're coming right out of juniors and getting, you know, starting spots on on teams. You can just run down, uh, you know, some of the names in the league as far as like Jack Eichel, uh, what he's doing up in Buffalo. I can see Cap, uh, Capo Caco here in New York. Uh, maybe not on fire as much as, uh, say, a guy like Eichel is. But, you know, uh, McKinnon and, and Landis Cock, all these guys, these young kids that are just making up the the team, Austin Matthews, all the guys up in Toronto, the young kids up there are making a huge impact, coming straight out of juniors, uh, starting their careers early here at 18, 19 years old, and, and, and just really kind of taking hold and being the face of the league right now. And, and mixed in with, um, you know, this has been a wild decade, uh, you know, the 2000s here, 2010 through, uh, you know, uh, New Year's Eve coming up here, and then New Year's 2020, um, you know, as far as, you know, how how the league has gone, who the cup champions have been, you know, whether it's been the Hawks and, and the Kings there just eating up a lot of the, the, the rings in, in addition to the, you know, Sydney and the Pens winning two as well too. St. Louis and Washington obviously uh, grabbed the last two. Um, you know, seeing teams like Vegas, uh, you know, uh, expansion team get into the finals. Um, you know, seeing what St. Louis did last year, uh, leagues up for grabs. So, so many things to to talk about. Real, you know, uh, as far as uh, you know, today and going forward. So, the game plan is today is I'm really just kind of firing the show back up, and then uh, I'm going to take a little break, obviously, with the holidays and everything else. And uh, we might try and squeeze one in around, uh, um, you know, uh, during the break here while everybody's out and around. We'll see what happens. But primarily, uh, this is for me just to kind of get the the rust off and and to. Uh, punch the kinks out and get back into, um, you know, interviewing guys again and, uh, you know, just getting back into podcasting and live broadcasting stuff. I always like to do the live stuff. A lot of people do the recording stuff. It's a little safer, uh, but I do like to do the live uh, shows. Uh, so if anybody's out there listening today, great. Uh, and I also appreciate anybody who's going to eventually be listening in the, in the archives. And we're going to be, uh, you know, right now we're in iTunes and Spotify and everything else. And so um, definitely uh, tune in and, and, and check that out as well, too. So um, really looking forward to it. So like I said, general gist of this is going to uh, every week uh, we'll def- definitely do an hour. There's, there's, there's weeks that I might do 90 minutes. It all depends on, on who's available, what's going on. Uh, and what happens, uh, we'll probably try and stick to uh, Wednesday afternoons here around 12, 1230 in the afternoon. Definitely going to be getting a show out like once a week. And then, you know, we come back after the Winter Classic here in two weeks. And that's just going to be a great time. And usually right after the Winter Classic, we jet straight towards, um, you know, the playoffs. Uh, the All-Star game will be going on. But this is it, man. This is the This is the hot time to come into hockey and as far as sports everything else that's going on in the wild world of sports you know uh football playoffs will be you know pretty much uh you know wrapping up there in january heading towards the super bowl in in uh february you know uh nba is doing its own thing you got uh you know hot stove baseball all that other stuff but hockey's going to be the number one thing uh i think everybody's in the mix right now as far as you know uh where um most of the teams are uh, you know, you got a pack there of uh, 10 teams here at the top, the Caps, the Bruins, the Blues. You know, the Isles are playing well. They're up there. The Avalanche are playing great. Uh, the Canes are up there. The Pens, 
Look what the Yotes are doing. They just pick up Taylor Hall. Vegas is still up there. And then you got about, you know, one, two, three, four, five teams. Winnipeg, Dallas, Edmonton, uh, Philly, and Calgary all around 40 points. And then everybody else is just kind of in the pack. And with the wild card and, and the way the league is going and everything else like that, everybody's pretty much in the mix. But uh, this is a great time. Like I said, the Winter Classic in a couple of weeks. We have the World Juniors are coming up here. Uh, and then it's full throttle. There's going to be trades. There's going to be more um, firings probably uh, in terms of where teams are going to maybe, you know, take off here or, or go into a tailspin. Uh, but we'll see what happens. But all good stuff. But anyway, thanks so much for tuning in here uh, to that hockey show. I'm um, going to just take a quick break here and get Dennis connected on the other side. And we'll come back to talk to Dennis. And I'm um, looking forward to it. And, uh, again, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Take a quick break, and we'll be right back after this. Got something you want power to talk about? Send us a tweet. At That Hockey Show. Now go finish your check. You're listening to That Hockey Show. Back to Polly on the ice. Yeah, welcome back to THS, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. Getting things started here back again, getting back here on the radio, that hockey show. I uh, want to welcome aboard uh, really uh, a guy that I really respect so much in the league. He's always been kind to me for, uh, to give me his time, and that's Mr. Dennis Dern- Bernstein. Dennis, from the fourth period, kings of the pod. Dennis, man, you're on so much stuff, it's unbelievable. How you doing, buddy, and welcome aboard. Drop the respect, Foley. No need for that, but it's great to, great to be with you on that hockey show again, man. Let's do it. Thanks so much, man. So, hey, look, um, so much going on. I really want uh, yeah. to, to everybody tuning in here for the first time, especially in New York area and everything else, just um, talk a little bit about, um, you know, your start in the league and, and everything that you're involved with right now, you know, from the fourth period and, and being a senior writer there and, and editor and everything and then being a part of all these different podcasts. Yeah. Let, let some of the people know what you're doing and, and talking a little bit about your relationship with uh, SiriusXM as well. Sure. Well, uh, to go way back in the day, I'm an old guy, so I probably started in late 90s. I actually did a fan newsletter for the New Jersey Devils, um, and they hated it. They tried to shut it down. The last thing you should do tell me, Paul, is I can't do something, right? So it <laughs> kind of gave me a lot of motivation. Uh, from there, I found a website I could write for called In the Crease. From there, ESPN Radio, so my column reached out. I was their insider back in 2000, and then it just kind of progressed from there. I moved to Los Angeles um, right around 98, 99. I kept writing. Um, and basically, um, the fourth period, uh, is, is where really we built our brand. Um, so we've been doing that. I'm a member of the Hockey Writers Association and actually, uh, chapter chair for the Professional Hockey Writers Association. So I get to vote for all the awards and it's just about relationships. I'm not the greatest writer in the world. I'm not the best speaker in the world. Uh, I know how to tell a story. People tend to like me. Um, that, that's where the popularity is. And just building on things. You make so many touches in your life. So in the fourth period, Got a relationship going with SiriusXM NHL Network earlier in, in their genesis. Um, we jumped on board. We did a show. We've been doing a show for about four or five years. Um, being in and around L.A., now I was one of the late adapters on podcasting, Paul, to be honest with you. I wasn't a big podcast guy, but I had a great partner in John Hoven, the mayor, uh, who really has a lot of inside stuff, great knowledge, uh, great knowledge with respect to their prospects. So we decided to this season to bring forward a King to the Podcast. We've had an incredible response. Um, one of our hosts uh, for the year, Sirius X show and the show on Saturdays, uh, Nick Alberga, has gone on to bigger and better things working with the Leafs and uh, Sportsnet. So we now have the hot stove, uh, Dave Pagnot and myself, uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan Payton. So it's just about, I guess, passion and knowledge. And, you know, if you stick around long enough, people tend to tend to have wanted to do some, some of their projects. So it's just about, I think, more about relationships. And, and when you deal with, um, with players, Paulie, 
Um, you have to respect their privacy. And as you know, in this business, Paul, you, you get 90% of the stuff that you're told you can't repeat and say. And I think that's the one thing is that we don't betray trust. We keep things confidential. So we have kind of an in with, with players. And I think that's one of the strongest things about the fourth period brand is that people recognize us as, uh, you know, pro player. Um, we have good fun. At, you know, at all the major events, you know, our parties seem to be the best parties going. So uh, it's just uh, kind of a passion. Uh, uh, you know, it's a true, I guess, passion that I have had for this game because I think it always goes back to the players' point. I think that's what I look for and what I see in this game is that the players are so incredible. Not only the skill, but if you ever need something in an interview, and, and because of my reputation in the market, then what do you need? You know, I can tell you certain things I can't tell you other things. So it's about um, getting information, using it wisely, and just um, being entertained. I think the most important thing, and I think that me and John Hovind on the podcast, we entertain and we inform. We'll give you some tidbits of information, but we'll have fun doing it. So I think that's uh, what the brand does and what our brands do uh, right now is basically entertaining form and a very, very changing landscape. As you know, Paulie, I think every day things are changing. And then once the uh, NHL TV contract, the new contract gets re up, where they're going to be more on ESPN uh, Plus and the zone and a lot of different opportunities, um, that'll be better for the league. But I think that's what it comes down to. I, I have a tendency to be good at entertaining and informing people about the game. No, absolutely, man. And, and you guys definitely set the bar there. There's no doubt about it. And as far as the relationship with the players, that's one of the biggest things that the, the fans love the most. And, uh, you know, uh, you guys, like I said, just smart hockey guys, the way you guys carry yourselves as well, uh, it's a big part of it. And, again, it's, uh, you know, at this time in the league, you know, it's, it's funny you bring up the CBA and, and where the league's going and everything else and, and you know, uh, Bettman here and, you know, getting inducted and, and all that other stuff yeah. and what he's done for the league. I think as a fan right now, you, you have you can't complain as far as the coverage is concerned. No. Um, just not only the way the teams individually cover uh, their teams. I remember doing this five six years ago and working with the Islanders, and I mean, just they didn't Twitter and Facebook and podcasts, right. and it was like they had no idea. I remember them. We were running like broadband lines from the office downstairs down into the bowels of the right. Coliseum down by the old bar down there. And to see yeah. where it's come now, you know, I'm jumping back, you know, I do a Ranger show now with a buddy of mine uh, on Wednesday night, just getting back into doing this. And I said, you know, what, let me, let me jump into it now. And just the way the podcasting is and everybody's doing it. So as a fan, mandatory, boy, it's mandatory yeah. now. It's not an option. Like the Islanders back in the day, maybe it was an option for them. It can't be an option now. You have embedded reporters. You have people traveling with the team. It's it's no longer an option if you really want to get it. And Paul, remember, you know, you, in your market, you're competing with the Yankees, who just signed a guy for $324 million a year, <laughs> the Mets. I mean, it's a, such a crowded landscape. So you know, the Devils, the Rangers, and the Islanders, they better be on social media. They better have all the different platforms and avenues available to their fans because it's highly highly competitive but like as you mentioned at this point in time it's a good time to get back in because everybody needs to do it at this point in time uh, with respect to content yeah absolutely and hey, uh, let me ask you on this uh topic of you know the modern nhl and the cba yeah. coming up what's your take on the league right now the health of the league where it's yeah. going and um just generally uh you know as far as is there anything that stood out for you in the first 30 so games this year outside of, you know, what the Caps and, and how the Blues and, mm-hmm. and the Knights, this, the whole story about, you know, uh, the league is wide open, the injection of youth yeah. and smart hockey into it, these young kids coming in yeah. off the juniors in there. What's, what's your takeaway so far, if you can, just from another year starting 36 games heading into the Winter Classic uh, in two weeks? Well, I think that um, overall the league is very healthy. I mean, you have it, the last team to come in the league, Vegas, doing decently. They still have preseason games. 
Paulie. And the next team that's going to come in Seattle is going to be huge. Yeah. Right? That market yeah. is crazy. If you've ever watched the Seattle Seahawks football game, you see how crazy those fans here. The natural rivalry with uh, with Vancouver, another team in the West, I think that's going to be amazing. The overall health of the league, Paulie, um, I think what that goes to is, and I know there are detractors about Gary Bettman, about the Olympics, all this stuff. My buddy Alan Walsh here in Los Angeles, the agent, loves to take shots at Gary every day. But um, there are no bad franchises. The, the health is due to great ownership. You know, Arizona had a big issue, but now they have a billionaire, Murillo, who I assume is going to get it on building and get more stability to the market. They traded Phil Kessel. They just traded for Taylor Hall. They pay these guys. This, so every franchise is really stable. I know the, the ownership in Florida. I know there's attendance issues there. But meanwhile, that, that's solid ownership. And that's why this league is good. With respect to the game, I don't think it's been in, in, been in any better shape because of the talent that comes into the league. You know, you have kids that are 18, 19 years old that, A, are playing at this point. Now, usually you'd have to wait two or three years for these kids that are 21 to play. Now, you're throwing 18, 19-year-olds in the game um, you know, every day. The skill here, and like I said, I mentioned, I'm an old cat, right? Five, ten years ago, there wasn't skill like this coming in this league. There's no way. Mm-hmm. It was like when you watch a tape from a video from five or six years ago, it's an entirely different game. There's so much skill. These kids come in the league, and they are so amazing with their skating, the way they run their edges, uh, their stick handling. You know, last night, um, Sveskinkov had one of those lacrosse goals. He had two goals this year like that. He was 10 years ago, that and whatever. The league probably get benched for it. So I think that um, just the talent this league is, it is an abundance of talent. It's real, it, it, the speed of the game is, is much better. It's more entertaining. And look, with respect to the, the, the season itself, are the three or four elite teams? Yeah, I mean, I'd group them together: St. Louis, Washington, Boston, um, Colorado's mentioned up there, and the Islanders. Even though they took it on the chin last night against National, uh, the way they play defense and their goaltending and their great coaching, I think those are five elite teams. Everybody else is, you know, is kind of behind the pack there. So, could you see a rematch with respect to St. Louis and Boston in June? You yeah, very well could, but I think Washington have a say. But again, the overall play of this of this league is just amazing. I think it's as entertaining as a game as we've had in, in decades, number one. Number two, that held, that augurs well for um, their new TV contract because it is a more entertaining game. These kids do are on social media more often, even though it's still kind of behind what the NBA does with their players. Uh, but I just think that the, the, the league is very healthy. Ownership is healthy. I think the game is as entertaining as it's been in decades. So I think that I really doesn't have nothing. That, if I had to change something, would I want the players in the Olympics? Probably, but again, there's a time zone change with respect to this Olympics and stuff like that. When the, when the Olympics are in North America, Paulie, then, then I want the players playing in it. Other than that, the tape delay stuff and playing in the middle of the night, I don't really care much about that. But I think overall the league's in really good shape, and, and it's, it's really in good shape as we head into the next decade. Yeah, absolutely. And, and real quick, on those top you know, four teams, uh, the Caps, Bruins, Blues there, and the Isles. Yeah. <sighs> The Bruins, obviously, I mean, getting getting to watch them playing the Rangers a couple of times, um, yeah. and then and you know the Caps are the Caps. I mean, and, and the Blues right. out of those top three teams, and because this is where I want to steer into the Kings and the Sharks and the Ducks here a yeah. little bit. Okay. Those three teams, obviously, going deep the last couple of years into the playoffs, mm-hmm. uh, a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of miles on the skates. Right. Do you think those guys will be around there towards the end? And and the Islanders. As great as they've been with Trotz, no doubt he's come in here. I, mean, I love the guy. I love what he did in Nashville. Uh, it's great for the, the Long Island franchise out here in between everything else, right. Rangers and the Devils. Devils are having their issues right now. But, okay. you know, even the Devils, they went out. You know, the Rangers go out and get a Panarin. Um, yes. 
Devils go out and get Superman, Simmons, and everything else. The yeah. Islanders still losing JT, obviously, but they're probably you know one or two. They probably need that one or two big gun or that big star, and that might come yeah, either. They need a scoring winner. You're right, Paulie. They yeah. do. They'll need more offense. So it, it might come down the road. It might not come until the the, the new building's built or whatever. But right. with those four two teams, which 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 one or two do you think is going to be there towards the end? Obviously, everybody's get healthy. But as far as their pedigree and everything else, just those top four, as far as maintaining, which has become an incredibly competitive league, which any team can pretty much win on a given night. Yeah, it, 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 it's a it's a toss up, especially in the West. I mean, if they take out St. Louis and Colorado, you could throw a blanket over the rest of the other six seeds that you'll see in the West. But I look at St. Louis and they are the most mentally prepared and toughest team uh, with respect to mindset in this league. And I look at the last two games they played, right? They were down 3 nothing to Chicago, scored four goals in a row at home, won that game. And then they had a matchup against Colorado, and they dominated play there. Colorado, the only loss they've had in the last 10 was to, to St. Louis. So I, I think they're, so, they're really prepared. I would like to see them get Taylor Hall. But Hall all on the same line, once Tarasenko gets healthy with Braden Shen, that would have been scary for opponents. So I think they're, they're the most mentally tough team. Boston, I like a lot. I, I, I think... With respect to their defense, they're better defensively than Washington. And the Caps are the better offensive team. So one of two things can happen here. Like if the Bruins add to their offense, and if they look at Kyle Foley in Los Angeles or a guy who's now looking for a job in Ilya Kovalchuk, that's a possibility as well. I think they'll look to improve their offense. I think the Caps might have to improve their defense a little bit. Whoever, whoever it may come down in the East, Foley, whoever makes the best move at the trade deadline. But one of those two teams sounds, and you know, I, I think at some point Tampa Bay still might have a say. I don't believe in Toronto. I just think clearly Boston and Washington are the two best teams. So it may come down to their GMs, um, McClellan and Sweeney. Uh, whoever makes the better deadline moves may be able to get the back to the cup final uh, in June. Yeah, and I, I think the two key points there, agreeing with you with Washington and Boston too, is is the defensive end of things, especially you start in the nets and then you come out. And yep. uh, both teams just have incredible grinders. And then you got, like you know, said the big stars up front too that are uh, – causing all kinds of trouble there offensively from every just hard work and teams more than anything and I think that's what's gonna Agreed. I mean you know St. Louis proved it and um, you know Vegas proved it too if you work hard and the chemistry's there and you get some solid goaltending um, you know you can you can take any team far and most I'll be honest with you Paulie look St. Louis they were probably the eighth and ninth most talented team in the league last year mm-hmm. and they won yeah. right so that tells you that you can do that if you Look, Paul, here's the thing, man. With all this that we talk about, with all the still coming in the league, Jack Hughes, Kappa, all these, Connor McDavid and Leon blowing up the numbers, if you don't have defense and you don't have goaltending, you're not going to win a Stanley Cup. And that's what St. Louis proved last year. They weren't the most talented team. They had one 30-goal score on the team all that season. They they were tough. They, they didn't give up a lot. The Bennington emerged. They had a really solid defense and a coach they loved and they were all on the same page about. So the, all the tenants that we talk about, this new league, like, Paulie, you got to win 16 games in the playoffs. Yep. Right? And if you don't have defense and goaltending, you're done. You're over. It doesn't matter how many goals you score. It depends how you defend. So I think St. Louis still showed you that that old-school mentality of physicality, defense and goaltending can still win your cup. Yeah, absolutely agree with you there, brother. All right, so last, week, uh, last thing I want to get with you before I let you go. Um, yeah. The Kings here uh, watched the Rangers went out in the West Coast last week, so I got to watch all yep. three games there. And obviously, uh, changing of the guards, changing of uh, – 
you know, the, just mm-hmm. the times there. Um, the Ducks, obviously, Dallas Eakins, uh, just get your quick take on him, how he's doing. And then, obviously, the Sharkies there, uh, you know, uh, firing uh, DeBoer, who I, I really like. Uh, Wilson's got, obviously, I, I personally feel, Wilson, uh, you know, the Sharks are going to be sellers here. A lot, of, uh, a lot of miles on the skates there in, in San Jose. Uh, a lot of talent there, too, but it's just not uh, coming through. But, you know, you, you tell me different. It's, it's early in the season. Those guys uh, probably be there at the end. But, obviously, the Kings, man, uh, the thing that I took from the Ranger game last week and the Kings won – Man, it was just a. I felt it as a very boring, frustrating hockey game to watch. And I was looking at the side of the Kings. You know, maybe that's that's what they got to do right now. Uh, a lot of their vets on the team right now are. Yeah. You know, they've got a lot of miles on their skates. They've won the Stanley yeah. Cup. They've been through a lot of changes, coaching, everything else. So, um, tell me about Dallas. Where do you think the Sharks are going to be? And and with Kovalchuk and everything right now, is the Kings also maybe with the Sharks too? Maybe looking to maybe blow the team up the way like a franchise like the Rangers has kind of let a lot of their assets go and say, hey, look, we're not going to be there for the long haul against maybe teams like, you know, Nashville and St. Louis and Colorado and Winnipeg who are going to be young and fresh and maybe a little yeah. tougher in the conference finals. Okay, so from the top, San Jose. Like, so Doug Wilson's obviously a Teflon GM, right? That The team has not played well. He invested a lot of money in the blue line uh, with respect to Carlson and uh, Vlasic and Burns. He let Joe Pavelski walk. Uh, the team has suffered for it. They had to go get Patrick Marlowe on a free agent deal, a minimum deal, to help save this team early on. It didn't save Pete DeBoer's job. Unless uh, Doug Wilson can strap on the pads and play goal for this team, right, they, they're, they're in trouble. They have terrible goal setting. I mean, I think they're last, they're close to being last. I think only behind maybe Detroit's worst goal set, uh, defensively. They are a, their goal setting is atrocious. And you have Martin Jones on, I think, four more years at 5.75 after this season. They have to figure out their goaltending situation. Arundel played last night. They lost against Arizona. Um, they are in trouble if they don't get goaltending. If the rest of the team, you know, if if they can they can win some games here if they got requisite goaltending, but they're getting so atrocious goaltending. So they're going to be fighting for a playoff spot um, Paulie, at this point in time. The Kings, a um, couple of things. Um, they have the right coach in Tom McClellan. Right. If you look at their, if you look at the standings right now, they have 33 points. They have a minus 20 goal differential. Doesn't look, you know, really appetizing. But since October 1st, I think they're 11, seven, and three. They're, they're just about 500. Um, their goal differential is, uh, I think, zero. So of the last 23 games, probably this team is getting some traction. They're finally adapting to, uh, to Todd McClellan's system. They have a long way to go, Paulie. The power play and the penalty kill is 30th ranked in the league. But five on five, and that's what you saw boring, is that they, they're good at shot suppression. I think they're second in the league or first in the league in shot suppression, and they're second in, sh- in shot. So what they need is better players. So at the trade deadline, will you see Tyler Defoley go? He's unrestricted at the end of the year. Yeah, they have not bought in the contract. A guy like Alec Martinez, who has one year left on his deal, he, has an, he had wrist surgery a couple of weeks ago. He'll be back in about a month. He could go. Maybe a Jeff Carter could go. So this team is in transition. But when you look at it, it's not the disaster that it was in October. But I'll tell you this, it was a disaster. But, again, this was a team that was acclimating to a new system in Todd McClellan. Todd's the right guy. He's communicative. He's open. He's transparent with his players. They love him. They're starting to win road games on the road. So the people that thought they might battle Detroit New Jersey for the first overall pick from a ranking standpoint, they might be pleasantly surprised. The Kings actually might move up in the in – the, in the division, I'm not sure that the management wants that. I think they'd want one more high draft, and they still might get it. Um, with respect to the Ducks, the reason they brought in Dallas Aikens is because they have a lot of young talent, like Sam Steele, like Max Comtois, like Max Jones. Um, he coached them in 
um, in San Diego at the AHL level. So they want continuity there. But, Paulie, they can't score. I mean, the, the one thing about, you know, and this is just not about hockey, ball, but you know what? <laughs> you, can love, you can love prospects, but I'd rather have rings than prospects. Yep. And prospects can't tell you. So these kids that they, they touted really highly, they haven't produced it. Sam Steele isn't scoring. Max Jones isn't scoring. So all the kids they, that, were, were, that were graduated when, you know, Kessler left and Corey Perry left, they haven't produced yet. And they don't have 88 goals scored in 34 games. And they've had decent goals. And look, they have decent. They have better than decent. John Gibson, if he stays healthy, could be a best in the candidate. Ryan Miller is a great backup here. So they have the goals. I think the defense is pretty good. They can't score goals. Yeah. And they have, you know, some nights they have two rookies playing at Ryan Getzlaff. So I think that the Kings and the Ducks are probably in about the same place. San Jose is obviously the veteran team. I mean, if they are selling San Jose at some point, then I think Doug Wilson's job's on the line here because he spent a lot of freaking money to bring back Eric Carlson and to say that he's going to be a seller after he gave that guy all that money. Um, that's troubling. But again, it's not about well, it's not about Eric Carlson or Joe Thornton or how old they are. It's that their goaltending is just really, really bad. Unless they straighten that around, they're going to struggle to be in the top eight come uh, come late April. Yeah, no, I, yeah. it's. It's you know again just watching those games, especially the Ducks. I think you nailed it too. Like I said, it was just uh, again they just they had a power play there at the end. They just couldn't get anything going, you know, and it was just yeah. kind of really frustrating yeah. to watch. Hey, the the biggest takeaway I get is is, is your take on the Kings. There, uh, always been a, a fan of Coach uh, McClellan. Always been a uh, fan of Coach DeBoer. But uh, to hear your take on the Kings, because I was following you along there in the beginning of the year there, uh, Dennis, and and seeing how bad it was, and and for you to kind of shed a little light here, and it is it's a long haul. It's an eighty two. You know, 84-game season, whatever it is. And uh, it's a long haul, ups and downs, and with the wild card, and everybody's got yeah. a chance. And you, re, you know, uh, acclimate yourself as a team and to a system and everything. And, man, there's just yeah. there's so much talent on that squad in L.A. Uh, it's it's good to hear your take on that, and uh, we'll see what happens uh, in the new year, definitely. All right, Dennis, thanks so much for giving me your time, and uh, I wish you and yours a very happy and safe holidays. And uh, be careful out there traveling, and uh, and, uh, and rest up that voice, man. you got a long way to go, buddy. <laughs> Likewise, Paul, you know, anytime you need me on the hockey show, I'll be happy to come on. It's great to talk to you again. All right. Cheers, brother. Take care. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Dennis Bernstein, ladies and gentlemen, from the fourth period. Give me some extra time there. really appreciate it. A uh, very, very busy man uh, out there. Make sure you follow him uh, at Dennis TFP, uh, the fourth period. Again, he's uh, he's got his uh, Kings of the Podcast. Uh, you can follow him at Kings of the Pod there. He's got the hot stove on the NHL Network on Saturday mornings from 11 to 1 p.m., uh, you know, Dennis and the guys are always just a great listen, uh, a lot of fun to, uh, you know, kind of take in. And like I said, Dennis is just a smart uh, hockey guy. I always love uh, getting a chance to speak to him. So uh, good stuff there. And, and like I said, it's interesting to see what's going on. You know, those teams out there in the West, as far as, you know, uh, the Sharks and the Ducks and the Kings, you know, a big part of the Western Conference players here in this decade, these last 10 years, it's coming to an end. And uh, to see the changes that are going on there, you know, the Sharks getting there to the finals. Um, you know, the Kings trying to get back and uh, just seeing what the Ducks are going to try and do too as well is, uh, is pretty interesting. But it's all good stuff. Once again, uh, thanks to Dennis Bernstein for giving us some time there. We're going to take a short break. On the other side, I'm going to bring back uh, Liam McGuire. Uh, lots of fun stuff coming up with Liam. You are listening to that hockey show right here on the Go Hockey Media Network. Uh, we'll be right back after this quick break. Thanks so much for tuning in. Got something you want power to talk about? Send us a tweet at That Hockey Show. Now go finish your check. You're listening to That Hockey Show. Back to Polly on the ice. Welcome back, everybody. That Hockey Show. Live here on the Go Hockey Media Radio Network. Live from New York, baby. 
want a big uh, thanks to Dennis Bernstein there for joining me. And now, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, because i got to try and get as much time as I can with my brother, Mr. Liam McGuire, NHL historian, author, master of the pint, my old friend, my, <laughs> my Irish buddy, through Dublin, all that stuff. Oh, man, it's so good to hear your voice again. Liam, how are you, pal? Welcome aboard. I'm great. Hey, Paulie, thanks for having me, man. Thanks for having me. Great to, great to hear you got it rocking again, buddy. You've been following, of course, on Twitter and social media that uh, that you're up and going. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking of following along in your footsteps and seemingly everybody else these days and firing one up myself. But it's it's great to chat with you. It really is. Uh, same here, man. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, you know, me and you doing this about four or five years ago, and and I sit back here now, and uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, we t- you haven't taken a break. You've been out there running and gunning, so I know that. Uh, but for me, you know, I was running what six shows a week. It was crazy, and it's just it's yeah. funny now because like the technology as far as podcasting now, and it wasn't even that popular back then, and I wasn't even pushing it as a podcast, man. It was just live radio, and we were doing it all. There was no yeah. Wi-Fi yet, and so it was just crazy. So I'm sitting here this year and um, getting the itch to get back. I've been doing a Ranger show, obviously. We're number one in Ireland, brothers, and the great, the Ranger fans there. <laughs> Good stuff. But uh, I'm sitting there going, I said, I always wanted to get this show back because I miss talking with, uh, you know, some great smart people and, and guys that I consider friends like yourself. So it's great to hear. So let's jump into it, buddy. Got to bring everybody in before we talk a little hockey in terms of the league and where it's at and everything and your take on it. Let's talk about the book. The book tour, um, I got to just figure it's, it's, it's uh, you know, the life and legend of Goldie Goldthorpe. And for everybody else, yeah. uh, listen for the first time. It's based on uh, the character in the movie Slapshot, uh, Ogie Oglethorpe, a classic, obviously. Right. Uh, but the book is out, and you and Goldie have been just, I'm watching on Twitter, the pictures, the parties. <laughs> man, you, you guys are like bigger than the Kardashians, man. Talk about the book first. <laughs> And and talk about this ride you're taking with Goldie, man. Well, for sure. I appreciate that very much. Yeah, it's, uh, the, the movie Slapshot is a great place to start because most hockey fans are, are familiar with it to some degree. And if they are, it's usually Paul Newman and the Hanson brothers. But if you're on the other characters' names, whether it be Danny Lemieux or, as you say, Old Yolathorp, they'll bring some recognition. And what probably most people don't know is that the character in the movie, the most feared enforcer, mentioned throughout the film, Ogie Oglethorpe, is based on a real guy, which is William Bill Goldie Goldthorpe from Horn and Thunder Bay, raised in Horn Payne, and came down to the States mostly and, uh, and absolutely carved out uh, some of the most chaotic uh, sporting endeavors in the history of sports. So, so I wrote his life story, and, and uh, he's regarded historically, I believe, and I echo this sentiment, as the world's most violent athlete. Uh, he, he has a backstory that I believe is the most unique in the history of pro sports. What I mean by that is the sheer level of violence done 99.999% with his fists. To, to, to be able to survive through all of that when things really went awry for him a few times, it's a story... Paulie just, you know, it's a whole lot more than just a guy who was a hockey enforcer. Let's put it that way. I mean, he's one of a, of a thousand guys that dropped the gloves with regularity and, and took up a role as an enforcer or a goon, whatever you want to call it. I'm not, you know, I like enforcer, whatever. But uh, he, he, he played in the WHA. That's the highest level he made it to. 
He was in uh, Toronto Maple Leafs camp in 76. He was property of the Penguins in that same calendar year. But at the end of the day, he didn't play in the NHL. He didn't play a ton of pro games, but, he, you know, including playoffs, he's over 200 and so 1,200 pims. So, you know, he's got the required numbers there in that sense. He won a championship in the minors. He played national championships as a junior hockey player in Canada. But uh, it's a bad story unlike any other. He's regarded historically as the world's most violent athlete. He's never done drugs. Uh, he, he is a uh, protector, and he was shot by drug dealers. He was stabbed by a guy on PCP. He had gold. He saved a woman's life to get that man off of her, and he turned around with a buck knife and stabbed him repeatedly. Uh, all those stories are in the book. Uh, he's arrested over 50 times, incarcerated 40, all for egregious assaults, but that's just because when, when it's time to go down and when he perceives a threat, or when somebody's in need, then he eliminates that threat. And so that's largely what's got him arrested in the past. But uh, it's an unbelievable story, and it's going to be an incredible movie. Oh, really? It's going to be a movie? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm writing a screenplay as we speak. And, and uh, I am adamant to have this on the big screen and uh, not, you know, I don't want to – I mean, I, I just – I'm right now looking at it from the go big or go home mentality. I have had uh, several conversations with one noted film producer, but we don't have any deal in place yet, but I am working on the screenplay. And just like I told everybody, I get the book done on him because it took two years. Uh, I will make this a movie. Mark my words. I'm not talking the movie of the week. I, I want this to be something that people, when they see the trailer, just absolutely have to flock to. If you're a sporting fan at all, if you're a hockey fan at all, or if you're a fan of a man, Let's put it this way, Polly. Let's put it this way, okay? On on the back cover, by the way, Bob Costas wrote our forward. I'll just throw that in there. Mm-hmm. You know, Bob Costas, the most decorated man in American sports broadcasting history, wrote four pages, 1,200 words for our forward. And they know each other personally, and he agreed to do that. So if, if you don't think that means anything, I mean, and, and I'll, I'll just say that I, I, I just believe that the, 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 the movie – there's a quote on our back cover from the, the only man in the history of NCAA hockey to win a championship as a player and an assistant coach and a head coach. And he's a six-time coach of the year in the NCAA hockey in either one of the divisions or overall. And he also was a, an assistant coach with Tampa Bay under John Cooper when they went to the Stanley Cup Finals just a few years ago. And his name is George Gwazdek. Mm-hmm. And he grew up in Thunder Bay. And he played minor hockey with Goldie. He played midget with him, and he played, which is for, for that's all being changed now, but for those on the initiator, that's during that 15 and 16 years old. And he played three years of junior with him, 17, 18, and 19. And he's, and, and he's better equipped than anybody to say this. And he said, Liam, and we put on the back cover, there's nobody alive that you can compare Goldie Goldthorpe to. If I have to compare him to anybody, it's a fictional character named John Rambo from First Blood, played by <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. Wow. Because you know, at the end of the day, he will be the last one standing. And that's who and what Goldie Goldthorpe is. If, if you're feeling adventurous at all, drop a couple bucks, pick up the book, and sit down and read the most incredible story with a sports connection about the most violent former athlete ever in the history of the world. 
Yeah, no, it's. I think it's it's definitely something. You know, anybody who's a hockey fan, I haven't started reading it yet. I'm I'm going to get it, and I'm going to check it out. I'm definitely interested. You know, again, uh, an older guy like myself, uh, just hitting fifty. You know, the '70s hockey and all the old time hockey, and obviously, uh, you know, loving that kind of a a movie and slap shot. Uh, everybody's got to be connected in some way. What I want to ask you is. Talk about the, the the humanity of it. The person, you know, there's a lot coming out here, in, in, in you know, me and you could probably do two hours on this in terms of the league and fighting and forces and everything else. Yeah, but you yeah. know, you, you're all, you're such like you're a big personality, Liam. Uh, you know, I, I you know from getting to know you and the way you communicate with people, and you know, you you uh you work with a lot of charities and organizations, and you do a lot of emceeing. I mean, you're a big people person. What's Goldie like as a person? Number one, you know, as far as him uh, going, a guy who's come out on the other side of this, and talk about you know how you approached him about this, how he received it, and how he's is he enjoying this whole tour with you and 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 getting to meet people and, and to talk about these stories because I know a lot of these guys, a lot of them probably uh, you know introverts you know, on the inside, yeah. and then, you know, they it's it might be hard because it's, it's traumatic for a lot of these guys, too, because I don't care what anybody says, you know, uh, just, you know, just fighting is tough. It's it's just, it's a, it's a nobody really likes it. I mean, guys have, they have to do with the job, but I'm rambling on here. Talk about the, the humanity of Goldie, the kind of person he is, and, and, and how he received you when you approached him about this. Well, for, for starters, uh, he, he's a humble guy. Uh, he, he's not coming into a room and, and taking it over. Uh, he's not, he doesn't want, he's never going to be the loudest guy in the room. He's not a braggart. Uh, he, he absolutely will go out of his way to say, like, you can ask him any story that's in the book or anything else, and he'll tell it the exact same way every time because it's the truth. And, and he's not, you know, he, he just, he just, he, he just trying to live his way through life. You know I mean? Um, school hard knocks times, times a hundred, really. Uh, sure. He brought a lot of it on himself, but he, he's a humble guy and, uh, he's, he's a very kind man, unbelievably kind and compassionate, uh, the affinity and affection and respect he has for women, for children, for animals, uh, he, how he despises bullies or anybody with the pack mentality or does anything like that. Uh, that was, that was brought on to him by his late father. And, and we talk about that in the book. His late father was a World War II hero. He was a he, he was enlisted in the Canadian Army in 1939 and became a commando under British uh, command in 1942. One of the first ever commando groups, and, and uh, fought his way and later got captured. Was a prisoner of war for 599 days. Polly, his wow. father, 599 days, led multiple escapes before he got out with other men. And, uh, I mean, that's his dad, man. That's his dad. And Goldie's the youngest of five. And well, he, he just, he was a rough kid. You know, he grew up in Northern Ontario, a town no one's even heard of in the 1950s. And you kind of, you know, if you didn't come out of the womb fighting, you probably didn't survive long there, you know, to, to some degree, you certainly couldn't play any sports because it was very, very physical. And, and he just took to it, but he, he also had influences like his older cousin, Mike Bernard, who, uh, two years older than him and, and was tough and athletic and he wanted to be like him and, and just these different influences on him made him grow up a certain way. But, uh, you know, when we first met, I had him on my radio show was a phone in guest. Uh, the interview was so compelling that I phoned him out to the show. I know he was heading to Kingston, Ontario. He lives in Surrey, BC. So he's basically coming across country for a promotion, but Kingston's not far from Ottawa, as you know. And I uh, asked him if I could come and meet him. And he said, yes. And we, I went down and, 
Doug Gilmore was there along with a number of other former pros that Goldie had played with or against. And we spent the weekend together. Uh, Goldie was there for work initially and did a great job for a number of promotions, which he does. And then we, uh, we sat down and perverted the proverbial break the bread. You know, we had a few pints and he, he likes his beer as do I. And, uh, <laughs> that's why you get along so well. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get to that in a second. But the, the, the fact is, is that, uh, you know, when I left that Sunday, put my hand out to shake his and, and uh, thank him for the time and the, the experience and everything. I, I just plain and simple asked him how come nobody had written a book on him. I mean, the stories that poured out of him over the course of the weekend just led me to believe that somebody missed the boat here. And, and he said that a couple people had kicked the tires and they hadn't followed through. And I asked if I could take a chance at following through. And he said, sure. And I began the process. So, which was lengthy. Uh, we just couldn't get a deal with, uh, with any of the big boys, you know, they, they were, who had previously published, uh, you know, this is my fourth book that I've written, and my second and my third were done by Random House, who are now affiliated with Penguins, which is the biggest, you know, there is no bigger publishing house in the world. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want to touch it. Uh, nobody did. They said, hey, look, if your guy isn't fighting depression or mental anguish or wasn't sexually abused or or was a cocaine addict or whatever, you know, this is the type of stories we're looking for right now. And I said, well, it ain't my guy. So anyways, we're with my dear friend, Tim Gordon, at Burnstown Publishing. He did my first book in 94. We released it in April 5th. And look, yeah, the tours, you know, I mean, uh, it's been aggressive. I mean, him and I have definitely hit hit the road hard. And, uh, uh, you know, there you put two guys together like that, <laughs> you know, uh, side by each, as they say, 24-7 for these two, three, four, five, six, seven, in a couple of instances, eight days. Uh, there's going to be some friction, you know, and there has been. And uh, we've we've had a few words, but for the most part, uh, when I drop him at the airport, uh, he always hugs me, and I'm thankful for that. <laughs> it's better than the alternative. <laughs> and I hug him back, and and uh, he thanks me, and I thank him. And he gets on his plane, and he flies home. And I'll tell you what, it's – this is – I know I'm I'm on the back nine of my life now, but this is something I'll remember forever. Uh, these times I'm spending with him, and I, I knew when I met him, it had to, it was a story that had to be in print. No one held a gun to my head, Polly, and said, "Take two years out of your life, fly out west, and meet this guy repeatedly, put interviews on tape, and sit down and write a manuscript." Uh, you know, eighty four, eighty five thousand words. I mean, it's no one forced me to do it. I just felt that strongly about it. And I really believe if you're a hockey fan, uh, look, I'm not trying to be a revisionist here either. 2019, I know fighting's going out of the game. And the game that Goldie played is not the game that exists anymore. But I believe the story unto itself, because of where he went, how he went, what happened to him, when and why he was going, is what's so compelling about it. And that to me is 100% why it has to be on the big screen. Like this is, you know, like I said, it's Rambo. It's it's take all your guys you would see, you know, you'd watch Jack Reacher, Jack Bauer, John Wayne, Clint Eastwood, Rambo. Put them all together, put skates on them, and you got Goldie Goldthorpe. That's what you got. He's, he's the old West Code. You know, the old, the old West Code. I won't be wronged. I won't have my name insulted. I won't be laid a hand upon. I don't do these things to other men, so I don't expect them done to me. Like it's. It is unbelievable when you hang with him and see how, how he approaches whatever could be perceived 
as a possible threat or, you know, or when he talks about it back in the day, how matter of fact, he just says, look, this is the way it was going to end that night for that guy or those people or that team or that opposition or whatever. And he'll be the first to tell you he didn't win every fight on the ice. He wasn't the toughest guy, but you know, did he win most? Yeah. Was he crazier than most? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did he do things that are unheard of in hockey? Yes. He came on the ice in his shoes to help out in a brawl as guys were skating away, he's winging punches and he's water skiing behind them. I mean, the police have come and get him in rinks many times. I mean, like I said, the stories are endless. They're absolutely endless. I got him in the book. I don't know what else to say other than I've never met anybody like him. And you know me, Paulie. We go back a few years. I've met everybody. I've never met anybody like this guy, ever. Well, let me ask you this then. What if, have you learned anything from Goldie? And how? give us maybe just a little take on um, – the response he's been getting from the meet and greets and everything. Do you feel other people learning about him? Because you take a figure like him, you take uh, the stigmatism of fighting in the game now and what it used to be and how people look at it and the violence of it and everything. And like I said, behind every uh, pair of gloves that hit the ice is, is a human being, a guy, you know, uh, uh, who, who's got his own life to deal with. And then, you know, he's doing this on ice and everything else. But what have you learned from this experience you know, outside of the writing, just again, just hanging with him. Has he taught you anything? And another thing, do you find if he, have you seen or witnessed him teaching anybody else anything uh, at these live events? Well, I'll tell you, it, it's it's not so much something that he, that he, uh, that I learned from him, but to be with him time and again and repeatedly in, in, in eight, almost nine months now, um, to see the the level of the man's compassion that he has for other human beings, like when, when he's around children or when he's around, uh, we, we've done so much, right? We, we've done almost probably 30 appearances. Uh, in fact, it's probably more. It's more like 35 probably in nine months. It's crazy. And, and there's been a lot of radio and TV. I've seen the reaction from people meeting him and how enamored they are. And they're kind of like I was. I think back... You know, the three short years ago when I met him in Kingston, I see these people reacting to him, and that's the way I was in Kingston. But then I I see the little thing that he little things that 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 he does. You know, this isn't this isn't anything in 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 the big picture. But we we've been places where people have tried to pick up our tabs or or you know do some things for us and and whatnot, and they've already maybe done some things for us. And Goldie will go around and. He, on his, with him like he's not doing it with me he's doing this himself and, and he's and he, he's making sure that those people are still compensated it, it could be just tipping out a server you know it could, it's small gestures mm -hmm. that he never ever ever fails to do never like just the smallest of gestures of kindness and compassion that literally every single day he exhibits in some in some you know we all we say it you know, Twitter's a stats pool, right? You know that. Yep. And, and you know, real life is, is so different than when you and I were kids, Polly. But you, we all try and say this, especially around this time of year, try and be kinder to each other. Try, try and be more respectful to each other. And then we go back to being an idiot online the next day. But in his case, he, he exemplifies that every single day. It's, it's remarkable. And the reaction to him, is exactly what you would expect when people are because look yeah the world's changed hockey's changed sports has changed the view on fighting has changed all that is true but 
there's still as large segments of the fan bases that want to see a wrong righted on the ice. Mm-hmm. They still want to see that. And guess what? So do the players, and so do the owners, and so do the coaches, and so do the GMs. You've got a professional sports entity that's collectively bargained by two groups and governed by uh, um, a commissioner and his staff. And they still all say two men can drop the gloves and have a disagreement and serve five minutes and come back and play. God willing, that never goes away. And because of that, there's still a large segment of the population that when they meet the man, that really is, this really is one of those scenarios where meet the myth, the man, the myth, the legend, that's who he is. His stories are mythical. His, 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 uh, his, everything about him is legendary. And yet all of a sudden, boom, here he's in real life. And he's not six foot four. You know, he's five foot 10. And he goes about probably 218 right now. Like you look at him, you say, okay, he's, he's solid. Like for 66 years old, you can look at, at him and you can tell he's solid. There's no doubt. This is not a guy you want to screw around with in the street today. Believe me, trust me on that. But when they meet him, that's what I would say. That's what people are saying when they meet him. Uh, the reactions have been great. They've been so responsive. We, we, have, we have had an absolute blast on every event that we've attended publicly. And, and I would say that he hasn't taught me anything necessarily, just that he's driven home just how easy it is to still be a compassionate, kind, caring human being day in and day out in our lives when so few of us are. And he is every day. That's great stuff, man. And that, that's, see, that's, like I said, you can, you can see the movie. We're all going to read the book. Um, you know, I see you out there with them, the pictures, you know, knowing the kind of personality that you are, just the whole thing about the fighting and, and, and the, just the old time hockey, the old days. And to hear, um, you talk about, uh, the experience, because I think that's ultimately what it is. I mean, bravo to you to sit down and put it on pen and paper, get the guy together and, and put this whole thing together. And then you get the point. And I love the fact that you're talking about a movie. I think it's fantastic. You know, go big. Yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah. I'm going to make it happen. Yeah, and I'm, I wish you the best of luck with that, brother, and I think that's going to be fantastic. But I think, um, you know, like I said, you brought it up in terms of the times these days and social media and everything. At the end of the day, behind Twitter accounts, microphones, uh, cameras and everything, we're humans, and especially the, the different jobs that we all have in our lives and everything else, and athletes and everything else. So um, that's just great to hear because at the end of the day, like I said, if you can just run into a pub and have a pint with a guy – and talk about the old days and uh, the experience like that and the stories. And that's why I always love talking to you, brother. It's, it's about the stories. And uh, he's, a, he's a fantastic personality, and it's great stuff. And the book is, everybody, The Life and Legend of Goldie Goldthorpe. The author is Mr. Liam McGuire. Uh, just great stuff. you got to go check it out. So, Liam, I, you know yeah. uh, you know me. and I would, I would we got to bring back the Liam McGuire show. That's how much I love talking to you, <laughs> man. Um, and, and, and your old show when you're up there in, in Ottawa and stuff, you're a great listen. Everybody's listening now. You know, definitely follow Liam on Twitter, at Liam's underscore hockey. Great stuff. But um, like I said, I could go on here, and I but I do want to get a little, just a quick take from you on the modern game. And again, congratulations yeah. on the book, and give my best to Goldie and all that stuff. And 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 hopefully we'll do this again, and maybe we'll we'll uh, get back here and as as far as the book tour and where things are going, and we'll get an update on you in terms of the movie and everything else. But with that said, Liam, um, I don't want to hold you too long, and it's hard for me and you to do anything quick. Um. But the thing that I want to just cut through with you right now, and I was thinking about this when it happened, the whole 
I hope you don't mind me asking the Babcock situation in Toronto. Outs- yeah. Outside of the the billion dollar franchise, the rich kids on the ice, everything else, what blew me away is I didn't have, and I'm sure maybe tons of hockey fans had no idea how bad it was behind the scenes with that guy. And then I saw um, Commodore on Twitter, just the vile tweets about the gentleman. Now, I'm a guy who, like anybody else, sees a guy like Babcock, respect him, a winner. You know, he hasn't won in a long time, but still, he's won. Uh, He gets this big deal and everything, so on and so forth. Can you explain to me, or did you know, because I know you have so many uh, relationships in the league and everything else, did this surprise you? Because it's not. I'm not surprised about the firing, the, the team playing bad, and him, uh, you know, the change being made as far as the hockey operations. But I had no idea how bad he was looked at by so many of the players. None of us did. None of us did. The, the, the whole stuff with Mitch Marner, however it got leaked out, I think is, was the, well, you know, it was, you could say to me, it was a second domino because things kind of really started here in Canada. I think with the dismissal of Don Cherry, even though that was a different kettle of fish, but it just seemed to be such a massive national, well, well, international really, but here in Canada where he's in, where he's an icon, uh, that, that really was, was the start of it. And then Babcock, as you say, with the Leafs, because of the, the way the nature of that franchise is and, center of the universe and everything else in Toronto and how they're trying to rectify and get back to being a contender here, if not a, a serious cup threat. And they, they signed him to the richest contract ever. Who could have known? Like, who could have possibly known? When that came out and then when they went, they rushed and found Mike right away and he confirmed that he did have those conversations with Marner and did exactly as that was suggested and took those comments and went public in the room. It, it was I, every single one of every everybody in, in the world had to shake their heads at that, I would think. And then the other comments that have come out since have, uh, have certainly substantiated the fact that he was a coach that, for whatever reason, maybe, did, not maybe, but did things, just did things that some of them did differently, whether it was Bill Peters and Mark Crawford and now some others that are being alleged or, or, or confirmed to have done. It's, it's, we're at a different time, right, Polly? It's a different time. So, we're, in a, we're, in a, we're just, these are things that have just never happened before. I will say this, I've talked about it quite extensively up here and personally and, and, and publicly, and that it's my belief anyway that anything untoward, these types of things didn't happen back in the day. Like, well, I'm talking way back. When you had Jack Adams and Art Ross and Dick Urban and Toe Blake, uh, you know, Punch Imlach, I don't, I'm sure never hit anybody, but he was, they didn't have to, right? They held all the power then anyway. Mm-hmm. They could, they, they, the old line used to be, I'll send you so far into the minors that the hockey news won't be able to find you. That was the old line. And, and so that's how, they, that's how they, they operated with the fear and the respect. They didn't have to do that, you know. And, and, I mean, and it's well documented that Frank Mahalovich had a nervous breakdown with the Toronto Maple Leafs under Punch Imlach. And, and now we know of others in, in recent times. But, there wasn't the type of contact or things that happened with those coaches and GMs from those eras, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and into the 60s that we've seen now or now are come to our knowledge here in the last few years. So 
I don't know what to say, buddy. Uh, I mean, I was blown away. This guy is a gold medal winless, uh, win, you know, winner with Team Canada, a Stanley Cup winner and finalist for two different teams, a uh, world junior winner, you know, pretty highly respected. And to uh, to have this unravel and come out publicly like it did in the last few months to me is, and, and especially everything since then, wow. I mean, we're... We're just we're just in a different world. We're in a different world, man. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, uh, it's. Uh, I think that's the key thing that you're you're talking about, and that's the only reason I brought it up because, like I said, you know, the, the hockey always surprises us, and and ninety percent of the time, it's all the good stuff. It's about the players. It's about the scoring. Um, it, it's it's all about the game and everything else. And then you just see this, you know, because a guy like Babcock to me is a guy who's grown up watching the league he's a guy i've grown up watching you know and i and i know it's not perfect and the reason i want to ask you too because i know you've coached uh i've you know no matter what level you play on whether it's the big leagues or you're playing bantam or peewee or whatever it's all about the whole organization it's the coaching it's the community it's everything else so what blew me away is like you know shanahan's the guy that brought him in he hired him he had to have a pulse on on some of the stuff that went in the past and I, you know i don't want to kind of rail on it because uh, again it's this 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 is years of stuff, but I'm very surprised. And, and like I said, when I saw a guy like Commodore just going off on a guy who I felt was just in the highest regard as far as the league is concerned, and it just kind of, like I said, you know, uh, never a dull moment, I guess, uh, and especially going forward, Liam. It's just uh, the way things are. Uh... Let, let me let me just add something real quickly that how sure, we kind of took it took took things for granted at the start of the season here this year. Um, the Toronto Maple Leafs are playing the Montreal Canadiens and, uh, excuse me, the Ottawa Senators. And Jason Spezza, who is now a Leaf and was a longtime Sen, and Babcock doesn't dress him for the game. And, you know, the limp-ass reason he gives is that, uh, I believe if I remember correctly, is that Spezza wasn't up to date on the uh, penalty kill schematic or the second unit power play, whatever it was. It was something so frail and and tepid has a response. Yeah, we all just we all just took it, you know. As fans or media or bloggers or or hockey personalities, we go, oh, well, what are you gonna do? Oh well, too bad. But you know, now now we're hearing other stories, you know, whether it be Mike Medano trying to get his fifteen hundredth game, and you know, or, or Johan Franson coming out and, and his comments, and and then you know, and then Kenny Holland's gone public and said, yeah, well, Chris Chelios said some things, and he had his years wrong, so. Now, you're automatic. This is the way, the way it's going. But at the end of the day, uh, the Chanan probably had some ideas, but it's just, we just, it's a level of acceptance. Like, if you even want to look at it from a society point of view and back it up a year, go back to Me Too. I mean, what, how much, how much significant change has that made in the world? And, you know, so now you look at this from a sporting point of view and what's happened in the National Hockey League specifically. And we're, we're at a crossroads here, not so much a crossroads. But at a, at a defining moment of the game as we move into the new thing. And you mentioned that I coach. Yeah, I coach kids for 12 years. We had to sign. A, we had to go through police checks. You got to go. You have to sign these forms and this, that, and everything else. I can still tell you that the, uh, because at the same time, I was editor of a minor hockey publication here in Ottawa called Center Right. And all of the all of the, uh, the the bad apples in the region of Ottawa Carlton would cross my desk in emails from from parents saying, "Can you come and investigate this coach who did this or that coach who did that?" And 
I delve into the story sometimes, and they, sometimes bad apples just get through, man. It all walks of life. Yeah. They someday worm their way in there sometimes. And I think just in hockey, it got it got bad for a long period of time. It was just accepted. Certain things were accepted. You could go down the bench and and, and literally physically kick a guy. Uh, you you know it's you know what's never come up in any of this. It's amazing. It's how Don Cherry strangled Mike McEwen on the bench of Colorado in 1980. <laughs> that's one of the most. That's probably the most public one. He probably deserved it. Dis- <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Graves told him if you take one more two minute shift, I'm going to choke you. <laughs> and McEwen came back off another two minute shift or whatever. Graves went up and put his hands on his neck. Uh. I mean, if he did that today, it'd be a hundred million dollar lawsuit. But you know what? We all laughed. Everybody yeah. laughed. You know, and it's like I mean by Spezza this year. And I'm thinking, Jesus, what are you doing? Play the guy. Are you kidding me right now? You think he's going to hurt you? And and they don't play him. But then the game goes on and it's played and whatever. And, and then the next day he comes and no one no one said a thing. But now now everything comes out and you go, what, a, what, a, what an arsehole. Like, what an idiot. What a way to be as a man and a coach and, and at a position of power and authority. Well, guess what? Those days are gone. It, man, this just happened overnight. If there's anybody out there that's still a bench boss in any walk of life in hockey that isn't immediately hasn't changed their game, let's say they were a bit of a hard ass, but on the wrong path, if you know what I mean, on the wrong side, on the wrong side of the ice, if you will, uh, that just got all changed immediately. And there's probably still some others up there that are maybe trepidatious in terms of how this is going to play out maybe for them still. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to say. I, I, I don't necessarily agree going back decades and, and unearthing something on somebody but uh, uh, at the same time you know what's happened here clearly needed to happen I, I, I really I really believe that and you know I'm saying that Polly as I put the capital O in old school so mm. you know I mean I, I miss I miss my hockey from the 70s and 80s because the level of accountability and the certain things that happened or didn't happen in the game compared to today as much as I love today's game there's elements of the game from days gone by that I miss tremendously but I never knew, you know, I never knew about any of those things. Neither did you. None of us did. None of us did. You, you, you know, we're, we're alleging that maybe Brendan Shanahan did when he hired Babcock. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe he knew some of it. Maybe he didn't. You know, who knows? But I'll tell you this. I think it's those days are gone, and they, they disappeared in the blink of an eye. And it's just like all the women that have been taken advantage of for decades professionally that have now come forth. Now, maybe the pendulum swung a little too far on some of them has since come to light. But the, the bottom line is, you know, I have a daughter as well, you know, and, and you want her to have the fairest opportunity in life. I have a son who, uh, who I coached for 12 years and, and I coached against a lot of guys who I know. And you hear some stories, some guys I don't know, you hear some stories and it's not, you know, you, you don't know what to believe or not, but it's not really anything you're ever really going to take, in a, uh, take, take an interest in trying to get involved in. Not anymore. Everybody's getting involved today in everything. Yeah, well, That's the way we are, man. Yeah, well, like I said, if, if as long as it's for the good and it, it protects people and everything else and, and, and you know, it's, uh, you know, due process, fair fairness and everything else, um, it's, it's such a huge... Uh, it's such a huge discussion. It's such a huge topic, but it is changing, man. There's no doubt about it. And these kids are getting richer, 
Uh, the CBA is going to be interesting. Uh, be interesting to watch the way uh, the league goes here. They'll find a way, man. Our game is the best game, Liam. Uh, hockey will find a way. It'll work things out. It's not perfect. There's no sure. league, there's no leagues that are. Nobody is. Uh, but uh, it, it'll uh, it'll be interesting to see how things go forward, brother. Thank you so much, man. I know you gave me more time than I asked for. Um, I love to. I love doing this with you. Hopefully, in 2020, we'll keep doing more of this. Um, thank you so much. I want to wish you and yours, your entire family, uh, everybody up north there, a very uh, safe and happy uh, Christmas and stuff. And, and again, thank you so much uh, for coming back. Great listening to you. Great hearing your voice, and just great talking to you. Uh, consider you an old friend, and I can't thank you enough for doing this. And congratulations on all the success with the book brother i appreciate it paulie thank you very much and for anybody who's still hanging around listening here it's uh burnstownpublishing.com all you got to do is go online you can order up the book burn or you can pretty much go uh, google goldie and liam it'll come up now probably we've got so much other things online but uh thanks for the, for giving me a chance to talk about the book and about goldie that uh, that means a lot to me and it's great to hear your voice too buddy merry christmas and happy new year to you and all your family and uh and please uh, stay in touch. Let's do it again. All right, brother. Raise a pint there, lad, okay? Slanta. Absolutely. Up the Republic. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers, brother. Take care of yourself. <laughs> Liam, Liam McGuire, ladies and gentlemen, NHL historian, author of the brand-new book, Goldie Goldthorpe, The Life and Legend of Goldie Goldthorpe. Goldthorpe. Oh, my God. i got to get my th- th- <laughs> better Goldie Goldthorpe, uh, based uh, uh, Goldie is the, uh, the character that Ogie Oglethorpe in the movie Slapshot, was based upon, and, um, you know, super stuff there. Liam's the best. Uh, great catching up with him. Uh, definitely got to get the book. I got to get the book. Uh, so everybody tuning in and listening, fans of Liam, just fans of hockey, old-school hockey. It's a great story. Um, so, uh, you know, definitely check that out. Support Liam there. Get that book and and, uh, and Goldie as well. Good stuff. Well, hey, look, uh, thanks so much for listening to uh, this first episode. I can't thank uh, Dennis Bernstein enough from the fourth period for coming on and helping me out here, getting things, uh, getting me back in the saddle here, uh, and as well as Liam McGuire. And thanks to anybody who does tune into this uh, and going forward. Uh, looking forward to bringing uh, a lot more content, a lot more different guests, uh, hopefully extend the conversations as we go, uh, maybe get you guys involved uh, as well. So uh, I'm getting back into this whole swing of things. Um, so thank you so much if you are listening. Thanks to anybody who subscribes, uh, keeps in touch. Uh, you know, Hit me up at that hockey show. Hit me up at Cuthbert Online. And for you Ranger fans, every Wednesday night, tonight, tune in to Go Rangers Radio. Uh, me and my buddy Kevin Delory, we're always talking New York Rangers every week. And like I said, all the links are up at uh, GoRangersRadio.com. So check that as well. But this is that hockey show. We uh, include all the teams, uh, all, the, all, the, all the teams, all the stories that are going on. Again, a quick episode here today. Uh, and again, thanks to my friends uh, Dennis Bernstein, Liam McGuire for kicking things off. Thanks to you guys for tuning in. And uh, a very happy holidays to everybody. Uh, great, safe new year. I'll see if I can swing one or two of these uh, shows in between the holidays. If not, uh, we'll be back here every Wednesday uh, starting in January. Uh, actually, the first show back in January is going to be the Thursday because the Winter Classic is going to be on that Wednesday on New Year's Day, and I think it's going to be uh, pretty awesome. So uh, we'll talk about that, uh, and then we'll just kind of take on the new year and, and see where all the teams are at in the next two weeks. And, and uh, like I said, looking forward to having lots more guests and so on and so forth. So, again, that hockey show, Paulie here. Thanks so much for tuning in to THS. Happy holidays, everybody. Stay out there and uh, you know, just be safe and be good to people and be kind. And uh, I just want to wish you guys the best. Thanks so much. Go hockey. Take care, everybody.